Let's look in the Gospel according to St. Mark in chapter number 8. The Gospel according to St. Mark in chapter number 8. It's different now. Oh, so different now. The Lord wants things to be different in your life. You may think you want them to be different. You don't like the way things are going. You don't like the circumstance where you are. You don't like the way that you have lived. You don't like what has happened in your life and who you have become. But I'm telling you, the Lord wants things to be different in your life more than you want it. And He wants it enough that He sent His own Son to die on the cross of Calvary, that you would be different, so that things would change, so that you would change. The things that you think you desire, He desires what's best for you more than what you desire for yourself. And He knows us better than what we know ourselves. And surely that is the case. We read some about that here in Mark chapter 8. Now I want to preach if the Lord will help me this morning on Mark chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9. And so do like Brother Matthew said this morning and pull that break loose because we've got to move fast. And that's just a five... All is five chapters, five point outline uh, with a thousand sub points, so I mean, nothing to it. And I'm, I'm talking slow because I'm breathing slow with all the pollen. Like I said, Brother John left home this morning and that shirt was white when he left the house. Uh, came up here last night and I polished my shoes right before I left home. I mean, I had them shining like new money. I mean, they were just glistening. You couldn't hardly bear to look at them if the sun was shining just right, the way they were shining. And then I got here and then after taking some stuff out to the fellowship hall and then taking the trash out of the fellowship hall and walking across the grass there at the fellowship hall a time or two. And that is all I did. I mean, I hadn't been out plowing or something. I'd just been, uh, you know, walking across the grass and I'd come into the church house and look down at my feet and they were absolutely completely yellow and I told Brother Matthew I said this makes me sick I mean after just polishing my shoes I like my shoes to shine you know just polishing my shoes and they'd already turned colors so I'm breathing a little slowly but I'm going to try to preach quickly so you pray for us and I'm going to share with you some things and I'd encourage you to go home this afternoon and this week Brother John's talked about considering the uh, works of the Lord throughout the week I don't want to take anything away from that, but I would encourage you to read through these chapters in light of or with the approach of what I'm trying to share with you this morning, and you'll be amazed at the difference in the way that they read to you if you really grasp what the Lord has given us for this morning. And it'll be amazing to you how quickly these chapters will pass by and unfold as if you were just watching the scenes of Christ's life as they unfold and see them in light of the few things that I want to show you here this morning. But we want to begin reading in chapter number 8 of the Gospel according to St. Mark in verse 11. If you are able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us while we read the Word of the Lord. Mark chapter number 8 and in verse number 11. The Word of God says, And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. And said, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them. And entering into a ship, again he departed to the other side. 
Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them any more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. When Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened, having eyes ye see, see ye not? And having ears hear ye not? And do ye not remember, when I break the five loaves among the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they say, said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And when he had took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And he that put and he and after that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly and he sent him away to his house saying neither go into the town nor tell it to any of the town and Jesus went out and his disciples in the towns of Caesarea Philippi and by the way he asked his disciples saying unto them whom do men say that I am and they answered John the Baptist and some say Elias and others one of the prophets and he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. You can be seated. Thank you this morning for standing with us while I read the Word of the Lord. This is a remarkable passage of the Word of God. And I'd encourage you to go home in light of the message and read again chapters 5 through 9. We see the heart of Christ revealed in these chapters of the Word of the Lord. And we see how that He desired for some things, how He longed for some things for the people to whom He ministered directly. And I'm going to tell you, God has some desires toward us. He has some thoughts toward us. Matter of fact, Jeremiah, He so told Jeremiah, He said, For I know the thoughts that I have toward you. They're thoughts of peace. They are not thoughts of war. The Lord has thoughts toward us. He has desires for us. He came with a purpose to accomplish some things in people's lives. And He willed for mankind to receive some things because of His coming. If you look back in chapter number 5, I'm not going to preach all of these chapters, but I do want to show you the progression. And there is at least one sermon in each of these chapters to be preached in this progression, though we'll focus on chapter 8 this morning. If you look back in chapter 5, in Mark chapter 5, we see how Jesus wanted them to change. There are three miracles in Mark chapter number 5. There is 
a legion, a man with a whole legion of devils in him. Of my friend who cuts himself with stones and runs around naked in the graveyard and torments and frightens the people of the town. And Jesus casts the demons out of the man into a whole herd full of swine. And they ran violently down a steep place and choked themselves in the sea. And they found that man seated and clothed in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. God wanted him to change. There is a woman who for 12 years has suffered with an issue of blood. And she sought every physician. She sought every cure. But nothing helped her. But daily she grew worse. She spent all that she had. But she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. It seemed like things would never change for her life. But Jesus wanted her to change. And when she touched him, her disease was healed that very eye. There's a man who's got a little girl. His name is Cyrus, and she is sick. Even unto death, he comes to the Lord and pleads for the Lord Jesus to help his little girl. He pleads for God to help his family. He pleads for the Lord Jesus to do a work in his home. And finally, one servant comes to the master and details, and my friend tells Jairus, trouble not the master. I said, your daughter's dead. It's too late now. Oh, but Jesus wanted things to change down at Cyrus' house. And he goes in and raises that little girl from the dead. In chapter number 5, Jesus wants them to change. Whether it was that sinner or that one sick or those sorrowful down at my friend Jairus' house, Jesus wanted them to change. And in all three, the power of Christ would be sure that none of them would ever be the same after what He does for them in chapter 5. I'm saying He has a desire for you and for you and for your family and for me this morning. In chapter 5, He wanted them to change. In chapter 6, He wanted them to believe. Look in chapter 6 and verse 2. And when the Sabbath day was coming, began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? And that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Now in verse number 6, the Bible said, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He wanted them to believe. Oh, he wanted them to change in chapter 5. He wanted them to believe in chapter number 6. Oh, in verses 7 through 13, my friend empowers witnesses and sends them forth to preach the gospel and to cast out devils and to do many wonderful works in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? that people may see the evidence of my friend in them and may believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You do realize, a friend, that eternal life 
was given according to John 3. And that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And my friend, these things have written unto you, John said. And little John, that you may believe on Him, that you may know. Oh, God, help us to have confidence in and trust in the Lord. In chapter number 6, in verse 32, through verse 44, we find the miracle of the loaves. And how they took five loaves and two fishes and broke and blessed them and distributed them. And there's 5,000 men plus women and children. And the Bible said many believed on Him that day. And many finally were convinced. In chapter 5, He wants them to change. In chapter 6, He wants them to believe. I'm telling you this morning where you sit. And in this church house this morning. How that He wants you to change. He wants you to believe. He has a desire for your life to accomplish something in it. In verses of 46 through verse 54 of chapter 6 of Mark. And my friend, the disciples are on the sea and fighting the wind and the waves. But praise God, the Lord Jesus comes walking to them on the sea. And they were afraid, thinking that maybe he was a ghost. But praise God when they saw him. And my friend, he came and stood in the midst of that ship. And he rebuked the winds and the waves. They said, Behold, what manner of man is this? That the winds and the waves obey him. They didn't understand what had happened. Because their hearts were hardened. And they considered not the miracle of those. And the God wanted them to believe in him. Amen. Well, the whole chapter is about uh, pointing us to believe on him. And then Mark chapter 7, I told you there's a sermon, at least one, two, three, or five in every chapter that I'm talking about. But in chapter number 7, Jesus wanted them to hear. In the verse number 16, he said, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus wanted them to hear. In chapter number 7, oh, look down in verse 29 of chapter 7, he said, the Bible said, and he said unto her, you see in verse number 29, there's a Syrophoenician woman that has come unto him. And according to the account that's recorded in Matthew chapter 15, when she first besought him, he answered her not a word. He didn't say anything to her. But that's not because he didn't want her to hear him. After the time did come when she exhibited faith in him and when she worshipped him and when she confessed she was a crumb begging dog that needed help from the Lord and nothing else to do for her but the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible said in verse 29, and he said unto her, he wanted her to hear. She had ears to hear. Let her hear. And he spoke unto her. In the verse number 37, they brought a verse 32. Rather, they bring a man to him that's death. And the Lord Jesus opened his ears. Why? He wanted him to hear. That's why. And my friend, he wants us to hear. He wants us to hear the gospel. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. 
hear. And the Bible said he took and put his fingers in his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. And he looked up to heaven and sighed. By the way, you'll find that sighing twice in these chapters. He looked up to heaven and sighed and said unto him, that he is to be opened. Have the Lord opened his ears that he might hear. And verse 37, the Bible said in chapter 7, verse 37, if you lost and the word beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. He wanted them to hear. You sat on the church pew Sunday after Sunday. I preached some liver turns inside out. And some of you wonder why in the world. Because I want you to hear. Because God wants you to hear. Because the Holy Ghost wants you to hear. Oh, my friend, hey, please God by the fellowship of preaching to save them that believe. And how shall they believe on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except to be sinned? I fear the Lord sends a man of God to preach the Word of God because He wants you to hear. Amen. He has some things He desires for us. He desires for you to change. He desires for you to believe. He desires for you to hear. And Mark chapter 8 in our text, that Jesus wanted them to see. I'm going to come back to that. That's it in Mark chapter number 9. Jesus wanted them to know. Mark chapter 9 is the chapter of the transfiguration. It is the chapter of the dumb spirit. That's a tale of how Jesus first in the early part of chapter 9, how he's transfigured from his natural body into a heavenly vision right in front of them. He wanted them to understand or to know some things concerning his glory and concerning what he'd go through to get there while he's transfigured into his heavenly visage on the mountain, my friend, he and Moses and Elijah are there and they speak of the things and discuss the things concerning his death of the death that he would die. Amen. That's right. My friend, that was the route to the glory through the joy that was set before him and during the cross despising the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That was the route he would take of my friend to forever be in this heavenly visage of my friend at the right hand of the throne of God and he wanted his disciples to know. I'm telling you, He wants you to know some things this morning. He wants you to understand some things. It's the same chapter where there's a man that has a son with a dumb spirit. And the spirit tries to kill the boy. And all times throws him in the fire or in the water and tries to drown him. And my friend, the disciples don't know how to help him. In verse number 17, He said, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought my son unto thee, my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. I speak to thy disciples, and they thought that they should cast him out, and they could not. And now he had empowered them just a chapter ago. He had empowered them to cast out these devils. But this man's got a promise of big. That the disciples couldn't do anything about his issue. And he brings 
tempted Jesus? And he saith unto them, or he answered them and saith, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Oh, the Bible said he cast that devil out of him. And my friend, and he healed him. This man before him, his father asked him, Do you believe? He said, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. And my friend, the Lord Jesus worked a miracle in that man. Oh, worked a miracle in that boy. He rebuked that foul spirit. But I tell you why the Lord Jesus did this. He wanted them to understand that he had power over death. That he had power over disease. That he had power over the devil. Isaiah chapter 9. He wants you to know. Look in verse 32 just in case you're not yet convinced. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask Him. What about that? Jesus wants them to know and they're afraid to ask. You know what He said in James chapter 4? He said, You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask me that you might consume it upon your own lust. Oh, friend, hey, God help us to ask Him. Did you know if any man lack wisdom, he can ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not? Did you know if you don't know something, you can ask Him? My friend, if you don't understand, you can ask Him. If you don't just, uh, my friend, uh, I really can wrap your mind around uh, some things you can ask Him. I don't understand everything in the Bible, but I'll tell you there's a lot of things right now that I didn't understand that I do understand now. And it's because when I didn't understand, I asked Him. And He wanted, I found out. I found out. I found out. And as bad as I thought I wanted to understand, He wanted me to understand more. And he was willing to help me. I didn't have to be afraid to ask him. If I'd ask him, he'd let me know. And even the things he has not yet revealed unto me, Brother Randy, he doesn't rebuke me for asking him. Amen. You ain't got to be afraid to ask him this morning. You want to know? Ask him. He wants you to know some things. I've heard folks say, Well, I wish I could know that I'm saved. You can. Amen. If you ask him, he'll let you know. Amen. It's his will for you to know. The whole book of 1 John was written so you could know you're saved. That's the reason why I wrote these little, my little children and write these things unto you that you may know you have eternal life. You can know that you are saved. That's why I wrote to us the book of 1 John. He wants you to know some things. My friend, then after he gets done with this in verse number 32, my friend, they're about to ask him some questions, but they're afraid too. And then he preaches a word to them in chapter 30, verse 35 through 50. He sits down and he calls the twelve. And he begins to preach to them about humility. He begins to preach to them about prayer. He begins to preach to them, my friend, about the suffering that they will face and the suffering he will face. And my friend, about the dangers of hell and how that it's real and how there's a real fire and a real place where men will go. I mean, he wants them to know some things. And he takes the time to sit down with them and to tell them some things they need to know. They want to know in verse 32, but they're afraid to ask Him. 
Verse 35, he sets them down and before they even ask the questions, he starts giving them the answers because he wants them to know. Oh my, thank, thank God and praise His high and holy name that He does want us to know some things. God is not trying to withhold knowledge and understanding and wisdom from you. He is, my friend, He wants you to know more than what you want to know. Amen. And when we get to heaven, we shall know even as also we are known, I tell you, there'll be knowledge on that day. Knowledge of this old world will pass away. But thank God we'll know even as also we're known. But I'm back to chapter number 8 now. I hope you've got that written down to study on. All I've done is giving you something to think about to now. But in chapter number 8, friend, the Bible teaches us how Jesus wanted them to see. He wanted them to see. All of my studies and what I'm showing you here this morning started as I was considering this blind man, I thought, man, ain't it something he must have really wanted to see. He must have really wanted to see. And then I began to consider, and there's a whole other sermon in this, I began to consider how there are some things that I want to see. And I was going to preach on what I want to see. I want to see a place. Amen. I want to see the patriarchs. I want to see a person. Amen. I'm looking to see a palace one day. Hallelujah to His name. I'm looking forward to see a promise come to pass. There's a lot of preaching to be done right there, isn't there? But as much as this blind man wanted to see, Jesus wanted him to see. And the Lord reminded me that before I ever wanted to see, He wanted me to see. Before I ever realized I was blind, He wanted me to see. Before I ever knew what I was missing, Jesus wanted me to see. Oh, my friend, God, help us. Chapter number 8 is all about spiritual blindness and how Jesus wanted men to see. They didn't understand. My friend, they didn't know that Jesus wanted them to see. That the blind Pharisees in verse 11 wanted to see a sign. That Jesus said, you'll not get a sign. By the way, what did they think they had just seen for the last five chapters? my friend, they had not seen a sign. The blind followers in verses 16 through 17, they wanted to see the significance. They reasoned and they sought after. They questioned the significance of the Lord's message. And they didn't understand. They said, the Lord is telling us about this leaven because we didn't break up bread with us. They wanted to see the significance of the servant. But Jesus really wanted them to see the blind fellow in verse 22 he just wanted to see something amen he just wanted to see anything oh hey friend but as much as what he wanted to see something he wanted to see anything he could see nothing that Jesus wanted him to see they drag him along to where Jesus is and uh, all the while the Bible says they brought him to Jesus. All the while, I don't know if maybe he's telling his friends, y'all may be wasting your time now. Ain't nobody else been able to help. What if, what if this Jesus don't want to help me? What if this Jesus sends me away? What if this fellow won't hear my needs? What if he doesn't have time to pay attention to me? What if he's only helped others and he'll not help me? I know you fellas told me about them loaves, but I'm not a loaf of bread. I'm a blind man. 
I know you guys told me about those waves, but I'm not a wave. I'm a blind man. I have never even seen a loaf of bread. I've never even seen a wave of the sea. I cannot see this man Jesus. You're talking about what? That makes you think He really will help me. And it is because He wanted this man to see. I tell you, if you're lost and undone this morning, have you come to church at the house of God? And you've wondered why are you even here? Why do you listen time and again to the message? I'm going to tell you the Lord wants you to see this morning. He wants to help you. He wants to work in you. He wants to do something in your life that is eternal. He wants you to see. And then... And he saw nothing until Jesus touched him. But then there's some blind philosophers that wanted to see a seer. They wanted to see a prophet. Amen. Jesus said, Whom do men say that I am? They said, Some say that you're John the Baptist or Elijah or others. These others risen from the dead. One of the prophets, according to verse 28. Or a prophet. But Jesus was more than a prophet. He said, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. In Matthew chapter 16, where it's recorded, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bartholomew, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Why did He reveal it? Because He wanted Him to see. He wanted Him to see. Jesus was more than a preacher. He was more than a prophet. He was more than an evangelist or a pastor. More than a good man. More than a nice philosopher. My friend, He was the Son of God. And He was God the Son. And the Lord revealed it unto Peter that he might see who Jesus was. He wanted him to see. It's why He came. Luke chapter number 4 and verse number 16, and He come to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto Him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when He had opened the book, He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recovering of sight to the blind. Oh, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down in his house. Of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I'm come to give sight to the blinded eyes. I came that you might see. In Matthew chapter number 11, John's in prison. And the psalm of my friend were coming unto him. Two of his disciples coming to Jesus. And they say, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up in the poor. Have the gospel preached unto them. He wanted them to see. They all believed that they wanted to see. Some said they wanted to see a sign. Some said they wanted to see a miracle. Some said they wanted to see the load. Some just said they wanted to see anything. Some wanted to see what he was talking about. But Jesus wanted them to see more than what they wanted to see. And before they wanted to see them to see. He wanted them to see. Now I'm going to give you four simple points. I'm quitting. He wanted them to see a person. 
Jesus wanted them to see a person. Verses 11 and 12, the Pharisees come forth and began to question Him, seeking of Him a sign from heaven. Show us a sign. Work a miracle. Perform a magic trick. Do some fanciful whirly gig. We want to see something like that. We want to see something remarkable, sensational, amazing. And they tempted Him. And in verse 12, He sighed deeply in His spirit. I can see Him just take a deep breath and blow it out again in front frustration with these people. I've worked miracles before you. I've done all of these things and you won't believe. You don't see a sign. I'm not looking for you to see a sign. He says, I want you to see a person. He wants you to see a person this morning. He wants you to see a person. I'm not the preacher. I'm not the Sunday school teacher or the choir leader. I'm not my friend the pianist or the organist or the other musicians. He wants you to see the person of the Lord Jesus. They provoked the person while they were looking for a sign. You don't need a sign when you have the Savior standing in your midst. Moreover, how much more of a sign do you need than chapters 5 through 7 had already given them? I mean, friend, devils cast out, disease stopped, death reversed, desert places turned into a buffet table, had damaging winds and waves rebuked, had dogs, Gentile dogs filled with faith and recovering with mercy. And my friend deaf men with hearing ears and doubling up on the miracle of the loaves as he multiplied the bread again with seven loaves and four thousand. And these blind Pharisees dare to say unto the Lord Jesus, show us a sign. What have they been looking at for the last three chapters? Amen. I feel signs are all around us. If you're looking for God to move a picture on the wall or levitate a table or you're asking for God to prove something to you this morning you're missing the point altogether I tell you what Mark has asked for he sent his son to die on the cross he gave us his Holy Spirit he sent a two before preacher by and this morning try to preach to you the word of God I tell you there shall no other sign be given except that which you've already seen Oh, God, help us to see a person, the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you what happens here. They continue to prod the Lord about giving them a sign. They continue to push Him about giving them a sign. Oh, but with all the signs they were missing the Savior, He wanted them to see a person, the promised person that had come to open blinded eyes. The Pharisees sought a miracle. When Herod received Jesus in trial at Jerusalem, He wanted to see a miracle. He wanted to see him perform some magic trick. How many that followed him just looked for a miracle? But Jesus was here to introduce us to a person, not a performance. And the time came where they so troubled his spirit by asking for another sign that the Bible says he left them. Verse 13, are you looking in your Bibles now? And He left them. Latter part of the verse, and again departed. 
I'm going to tell you what you can do this morning. Everybody listen to me if I've ever preached anything sombering, sobering and somber is what I'm saying right now. You can push the Holy Ghost saying if this will happen, I'll get saved and then you refuse it. If that will happen, I'll get saved. If this will happen, I'll get right with God. If you'll do this, then I'll believe. And many times, God will patiently work with you and do things so as to show you who He is when He don't owe none of that to us. I mean, He hasn't got to prove Himself to any of us. But you can push Him and you can test Him and you can provoke Him so many times that He sighs deeply in His spirit. And He will leave you. He will leave you alone. He'll leave you to yourself. He'll mark you off to a reprobate mind. My friend, he'll let you die in your sins untroubled and unsaved and unforgiven and without hope. Amen, friend. And my, he left them. He departed from them. They continued to seek a sign. Some of you promise God you'll get saved next Sunday. Promise God you'll get right with God. Come summer in Bible. Promise the Lord if so and so will come, I'll get right. Yet the preacher will sing one more verse. I'll be patient. I'll come. But then you told and time and time again you provoked His Holy Spirit and said from a more convenient season I'll call on thee and someday He'll say my spirit will not always strive with man and He will leave from where you are friend and you'll wonder God throughout eternity you could see that's exactly right. And it was not that he didn't perform any more miracles during his ministry, but in front of these men, they never saw another. Look down later in the chapter, you'll find a blind man that needs to see. And we're going to preach on more here in just a minute. But before he would give him his sight, he took him out of town, away from where these fellows were. Took him away from these Pharisees. Before he gave them sight, gave him sight. He was let them see him perform another miracle. He said, you'll not get another sign. While the Lord is dealing with somebody else's heart, He can get so frustrated with yours. They leave you alone. And while He's saving others, and while He's dealing with others, and while He's calling on others, He'll pass you by, friend. While He comes along and tenderly and softly and gently works with your spirit. Don't say, Lord, if you'll prove yourself to me, I'll believe. Don't say, Lord, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. Just surrender to His will. Say, yes, Lord, I want to be saved. Yes, I need to get things right. Yes, I want you to be my Lord. Yes, I believe He wants you to change. He wants you to believe. He wants you to hear. He wants you to see. He wants you to know today. Amen. God, help us. Lord, help us this morning. He wanted them to see a person. He wanted them to see it, friend. Oh, but then He departed from them. And then he warned his disciples of the doctrine of this kind of people. My friend, he warned them of those that were always looking for a sign of some kind. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. The Pharisees want to see a miracle. Herod wants to see a miracle. they got to have something proven to them. And Jesus says, be careful of the doctrine of people that's always got to have God proving something to them. And it's dangerous ground. He tells him, beware of that kind. He wanted him to see the person. And I won't say he wanted him to see the provision. 
They said, what does this mean? Be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees as is recorded in, in Mark or in Matthew's Gospel and of Herod. He lumped all three of them in there. In Matthew's Gospel, he's only recorded the two here in Mark. But my friend, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and of Herod, I mean, they want to see a sign. They want to see evidence. They want to see proof. And they're cynical. They won't trust in the Lord. And that Jesus is wanting to preach to them that message. And these men who were in a want to see the message. They really do want to understand. They get on the boat. Jesus preaches to them. And the disciples don't understand. They reason within themselves. It's not because they didn't listen to the message. It's not because they didn't care what He said. It's because they didn't see. They didn't understand. They didn't perceive what the Lord was wanting to tell them. And my friend, they thought, well, Jesus must be warning us about bread because we didn't bring enough of it with us. Oh, and Jesus, my friend, said to them, Don't you understand? that when I had five loaves, I fed 5,000. And how many baskets of fragment did you take out? They said 12. He said, and Do you not remember how? How did I have seven loaves and fed 4,000? And how many baskets of leftovers were there then? They said seven. He said, Well, then don't worry about your one loaf. In other words, boys, what I want you to see is how you don't need a miracle. How you ain't got to have a sign. You don't need God to rock the earth or shake the heavens. All you need is me. I'm on the ship. I'm walking by your side. I am the bread of life. Oh, if you see Jesus is enough, you don't need anything else. All you need is provided in the Lord Jesus. He wanted them to see the provisions. I were not in what they brought on the boat. The provisions were not in what they were able to bring of themselves. The provisions were in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, friend, what you need is not what you can bring on the boat. What you need to make it across to the other side of the sea is not what you're able to load up in the ship on your own. But what you need is a captain that's in charge of both the bread and the waves. Amen. Here they were on the boat on the sea thinking we're on the sea and we ain't got enough bread. And they got the bread of life on the ship with them. They've got the master of the sea on the ship with them. Everything you need is in Him. He says, gentlemen, don't you realize I am what you need to make it across? You don't need another loaf of bread. You don't need another dollar in your pocket. You don't need the next job or the next promotion or the next matter of pleasure or prosperity. You don't need the approval of man. You don't need, my friend, a new car, a new house, and a new wife or a new husband. Amen. My friend, or a new circumstance. What you need is the Lord Jesus. You need Him on the sea. You need Him in your ship. You need Him with your bread in His hands. I'll tell you what you need is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's what you need. It's not what we can do. 
Oh, how are we going to make it across without starving to death? We've got the maker and the multiplier of bread riding on the ship with us. We're going to make it across. He wanted them to see the provision. And then I want to say He wanted them to see the power. The Bible said in verse number 22, they brought that blind man to Him. And my friend, they brought him to the Lord Jesus that could not see. And He took him outside of town. And my friend, He touched this man in these verses 22 through 26. And He caused the blind man to see. The Pharisees couldn't see. And my friend, it's a chapter all about spiritual blindness. The Pharisees couldn't see. Even the disciples couldn't see. This man couldn't see at all. But Jesus has the power to give sight unto the blind. He has the power to open the Pharisee eyes that are blinded with religion. He has the power to open His followers' eyes when they are blinded by circumstance. He has the power to open my friend this fellow's eyes when he can see nothing at all and has no understanding or spiritual discernment. And Jesus takes a blind man and He opens His eyes to let him know that when they cannot see that He has power to give sight unto the blind. Somebody said, how do you know He can help me? Because He has power to let you see. He has power to give sight unto the blind. Hell, my friend, He can let you see yourself a sinner. He lets you see yourself go to hell. He lets you see Him bleed and die on the cross. He can cause you to see Him resurrected. And my friend, ascended and coming again. He can help you to see He's your only and all-sufficient hope. He has power to give sight unto the blind. Amen. And He wants you to see that. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He has power to open this fellow's eyes. He has power to open the philosopher's eyes that they may see that the Messiah is the Lord Jesus. It's a chapter filled with blindness, but Jesus wanted them to see. He touches this man's eyes, and it's interesting. He asks him, Do you see not? Do you see anything at all? Jesus knew what the man sees. By the way, he knows what you see this morning. And now I could preach tough and mean and get ugly. He knows what you've been looking at. Do you see us? He said, I see. But my vision's not right. Amen. And how do you know his vision wasn't right? He said, People are too big. Come on. They're like trees walking. I'm looking around and I see people. And people are too big. People. Men are too large. Men are too much. Men are too great in my sight. There's something wrong with my sight. Because I see people too big. And Jesus touched him again and allowed him to see clearly. Oh, I'm telling you, friend, this morning God helped you. Sometimes, even though we have been touched, even though we can see some, we see people as too big. We see people as too important. We see man as too much. I say the Messiah was in front of him. He didn't need to see man so big. He needed to see Jesus big. He needed to see God as the main thing in his life. He was 
Well, I've served the Lord, but what would people say? Yeah. You're seeing men as trees walking this yeah. morning. And you need God to help you see clearly that they're just people. Amen. Yeah. And that we're serving the person, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Yeah. And I see Him when I lift Him up. Yeah. And the eyes of rest are just men. Amen. 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 Everybody listening this morning. He wants you to see. And He wants you to see clearly. Now I'm finishing up now. He wanted them to see the power. And then He wanted them to see He had power to give sight to the blind. That's the power that He wants you to know of this morning. You can see clearly. And then finally, He wanted them to see the passion. Verses 31 through 33. They had already talked about who the men say that I am. He says, Thou art Christ. And he begins to talk to them and teach them, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Wait a minute. When all this happens, while the chief priests and the elders and the scribes are taking me from prison and to judgment, don't be like this blind man over here and see these men as bigger than what they are. Do know when they put me in the ground, these big, important men of power and prestige, these officers, them big old rude and crude Roman soldiers with spears and swords, them big old fellows with those helmets on their head, and my friend, their rough boots and their rugged manners, and their rudeness. Don't see them as big old trees walking. Do know that it may look like they have defeated me. But he said after these things, after three days, rise again. If you fellows would see clearly, you know this is just something that's got to happen. It's not going to be the end. I will rise up from the dead. He's trying to let them know you might not see things clearly, but there's going to come a second touch. After that you've seen men like trees. Don't worry, I'll rise again. I'll let you say things clearly. Oh, Peter went down there on resurrection morning and he saw an empty tomb. But he still saw men like trees. He shook his head and didn't know what to believe. But then when Jesus met him in the way, he saw things clearly. Oh, I'm a Look at all your troubles 
and you don't see how in the world Jesus can do anything with the mess you've got going on. How in the world is He going to come through? What in the world will He do? And you can't see clearly. You're all fogged up. But I'll tell you, the smoke will clear, friend. And if you'll ask Him, don't be afraid to ask Him. He'll show you some things. Because He wants you to see. He wants you to see. Hallelujah. And I wish you could see this the way I see it. I've run out of energy and time to preach it with. But God wants you to see. He wants you to see. So I've heard people say, Preacher, I just wish I could understand. He wants you to see more than you want to see. He wants you to see before you ever wanted to see. Amen. I wish I could know. He wants you to know. He wants you to change. He wants you to believe. He wants you to hear. He wants you to see. He wants you to know. I'm telling you, God has some desires toward you this morning. Amen. And then I'm come on with a song. I'm finished preaching. He wanted them to see what was precious. He wanted them to see what was precious. In verse 36, He told them, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What's precious is not what people think. What's precious is not what other men do or say. What's precious is not another day or dime or dollar. What's precious is that eternal part of man, his soul. The influence of the Pharisees sought was not precious. The intellectual superiority the Sadducees sought was not precious. The power that Herod so craved was not precious. What happens in this temporal world of temporal things is not what is precious. It is the soul of men. It is eternal, friend. It is the part of man that has been neglected by society. That it is important. It is precious unto the Lord. And only Jesus can save the soul. And He wants you to see what's precious this morning. While the world is chasing stuff and has forgotten about the Savior, He wants you to see that your soul is what really matters. He wanted them to see. I'm telling you today, He wants to open blinded eyes. He wants you to see Him as your only and all-sufficient hope. He wants you to see that He died for you, that He loves you, that He'll save you. He wants you to see that your soul is what really matters, that He is the Savior of the soul. Would you, like blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, call out, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. He wants you to see today. Stand your feet if you need to pray. I'd ask you to come. I'd ask you to seek of the Lord that He might give you Holy Ghost eyesight that you might see. Amen. That's what He told the church in Revelation. All He wants you to see. Some of you can't see how you're going to make it. You can't see how you're going to get through. You can't see how God's going to save your children. You can't see how that you're going to survive in this wicked world of sin. You can't see what God is doing in your life. But I'm telling you, God wants you to see. He wants you to see. If you need to pray this morning, I'd invite you to come. This altar is open and folks will pray with you. They'll pray for you. God wants you to see this morning.
Sing for us when you're ready. If you need to talk to the Lord, I'd beg you to come. I've preached my heart to you today. I've done what I can with it now. It's between you and the Lord. Oh my, help us, Lord, to see. Give us eyes to see. Ears to hear. Hearts to understand. Minds to believe. Give us spiritual wisdom and knowledge to know. He wants you to see. Give us grace to change. He wants you to change. He wants you to believe. He wants you to see. He wants you to hear. He wants you to know. God wants some things for you. Oh, may the Lord help us. <laughs> While on other star calling, don't pass me by. What makes you think it's help me? Because He wants you to see. He wants you to see. He's not trying to keep you in the darkness. He's not trying to keep you living in blindness, friend. He wants you to see. He wants you to see Him as Lord. He wants you to see Him high lifted up. He wants you to see that the people of God are your friends. He wants you to see that the church is the best place for you and your family. He wants you to see that living right pays and that heaven will be worth it all. Amen. He wants you to see that it does matter what you believe and what you read and who you listen to and how you live. He wants to open your blinded eyes that you may see. He said, Sinner not, I don't know. I do know, whereas once I was blind, now I see. He wants you to see this morning. future weeks hold. I don't know if the Lord will ever give me liberty to develop these other chapters. 
in terms of something to preach on. Maybe he'll give that to one of your other preachers to do. But I do know that if you'll go home and study chapters 5 through 9 in light of the approach that we've talked about this morning, if you've got five ounces of spiritual discernment about you, you'll get mighty happy in the Lord realizing that while you've been praying, the old devil's such a dirty liar. While you've been praying and you've been asking for things and he's saying, God don't want to do nothing for you. And he's not going to hear your prayer. And the Lord doesn't care about what you're praying for. You realize that God desires some things for you. That He wants you to change. He wants you to believe. He wants you to hear and to see. And to know God wants to do something in your life. My, my. The fact that the Lord is concerned about me just overwhelms my soul. That He's got in mind me and inspires me. I praise His name. He not only hears me when I pray. He wants to hear me. He delights to work in my life. Bless His high holy name. Hallelujah. He wants you to. He wants you to change. To hear. Don't be ashamed to ask Him. And don't think He's just going to push you away. It's what He came for. It's what He came for.